Craft Beer Radio, episode 406, on December 15th, 2016. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where it is an ordinary world, and we're just living in it. Hi, I'm Greg. I am Jeff. And uh, let's see, I got... These are the beers. These are the beers. We got five cans and a bottle. Um... Some of them are from Australia. Australia. <laughs> Keep doing that. Some of them are from Arizona. I know it was a long flight, Greg. But... It wasn't that long. I, I should know better. <laughs> uh, the Four of them, I think, are from Arizona, mm-hmm. and two of them, at yep. least one is a Dave Beer, and one is... I don't know where that one's from. Not Dave. I'll have to look them up. All right. So let's do this one you brought back from Arizona. Lumberyard Brewing Company. Yes. So they are in. Uh, let's see if I can pronounce this right. Flugstaff, Flugstaff, Flagstaff, no, Flagstaff, Arizona. I was wondering if they said it weird there. No, no. Uh, just bad joke. Okay. Yes, bad joke. On the way down from Grand Canyon, this is uh, about an hour um, from the Grand Canyon. It's still pretty cold up there in Flagstaff, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's higher in elevation than uh, some of the other places in Arizona. I think it was coming out of Flagstaff or close to Flagstaff where I saw my first actual live tumbleweed. Nice. Well, de- well, half, I don't know. What do you consider that? I actually saw it tumbling across the road. So oh, it's dead, but it's carrying it's seeds. It's carrying seeds, yeah. yeah. Diamond Down Lager is 5% alcohol by volume. They call it a Bavarian-style lager. Uh, they point out that it's easy drinking, approachable, and... They claim malt-oriented, an entry-level craft beer. All right. It uh, pours a hazy yellow with a big, fluffy head. Bavarian, huh? (laughs) I got so much head on mine, it's kind of blocking the aroma. It has a... Hmm. I guess it has, has kind of a, a honey uh, note on it. A lot of... A pretty strong hop coming through that, that feels orangey. And a little bit spicy. Yeah, I'm, I mean, what I'm... I'm waiting for the head to go down okay. here a little bit, but I'm kind of smelling something that's kind of Kolsch-like, where you're oh, getting... Oh, hey, okay, there's there's information, there's more information on the can than there okay. is. Okay, well, before you tell me what it is, yeah. I'm smelling something that's kind of Kolsch-like, so while I'm getting, like, those malts, like, um, uh, not quite Munich, though, but maybe, like, a light Vienna malt or something like that, and, and but doesn't have much color... But I'm also smelling kind of that vinousness, you know, of like a German ale yeast or something like that. They don't tell me what hops they are other than to say they're noble, but the malts they do say Pilsner and Munich. Well, there are Munichs in here. Okay. 5% alcohol, like I said, and uh, 25 IBU. 25. Which is Doesn't weird. taste like a clean German lager, that is for sure. Didn't smell like one either. Kind of lemony, mm-hmm. tart. Yeah, this is one of the newest cans. This was November first. Yeah, this it's is less than two months old. Yeah, a little over a month old, and it feels like it's gone sour. Yeah, it smells like it might be a little bit soured on the flavor. It's just kind of tart, like almost like a wheat type tartness. Not mm-hmm. really like a kettle sour or anything like that. And not, and definitely not like a funky bread infection or anything like that. No, I'm actually getting some bread at the end, uh, getting sort of the dustiness, the okay. the horse blanket stuff. I think this is a bread infection uh, that is it's pretty not good be, yeah, it, it's pretty it's, good. Drinkers, it's contributing so. to to the flavor. It, it, it makes it more almost saison like. Yeah, it does. Uh, than just a traditional uh, lager, but definitely not what the brewer intended. Um, Who knows, it might be better than your boring entry-level beer. It might be. 
I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Pilsner malt, Munich malt, Noble hops is not going to get a beer like, like this. No, not at all. Little dirty hands on your mm-hmm. packaging the beer might. It's a little chalky at the end. I mean, we're we're, we're talking about a beer that shouldn't exist unless they somehow put the wrong label on it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, you're right. Now that I can really smell this thing, now that the head's falling down, it, it's bretty mm-hmm. in the nose for sure. Yeah, you get a little bit of that leathery. It's a little bit um, washed rind cheese. There's a little bit of that funk in there. I, I suspect that most beginning craft beer people will throw this out. Right? It because depends how beginning, right? Because if you still have such undefined taste buds, you know, like... I think this is... A, I think Brett is an acquired taste. And I think it's not something that you just stumble into and say, wow, I love that. I mean, I guess it, it you know, who knows what can happen, but I suspect that for mm-hmm. most people it's an acquired taste. We are enjoying this on a certain level because <laughs> we enjoy breadiness. We enjoy that Brett character. If you were somebody who was like, yeah, okay, I'm just going to try this, you know, this craft lager because I kind of like those craft lagers and that's what I'm on right now. You would pour this out. This is spoiled. <laughs> well, I'm finishing it because it, it turned into a good saison, like you it, said. Yeah, it turned into a, a, a nice saison. Not like spectacular, no. but nice. Serviceable. Mm-hmm. Probably well worth the price. Mm. Yeah, I don't think this was expensive. Does it, have, does it have a price on here? This was not one of my more expensive trips in terms of beer. I mm-hmm. mean... Uh, Boston is pretty expensive. San Francisco is pretty expensive. This one, I think it was it, it topped out at like forty bucks or something, and okay. most of that was the Alaskans. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that was a beer from Lumberyard. It was supposed to be the Diamond Down Lager, but not really. Mm-hmm. So let's do this other Pilsner. We do that or we do the wheat? Let's do the Pilsner first, then go into the Okay. Wheat. So Dan sent us this beer. Thank you, Dan. This is Wonder Stuff from Bauhaus Brew Labs. B-A-U-H-A-U-S. 5.4% alcohol on this new N-E-U with an umlaut. Bohemian Pilsner. Uh, 48 IBU. Okay, so here's here is the relevant marketing speak on this one. Uh, the the final uh, line here: truly the stuff of wonder. This beer will change the way you think about light lagers. That is a bold claim. It sure is. The can's interesting. The label's neat, but the can's interesting because it looks like it got jammed in the packaging somewhere. Like, yeah, it's the it's it's an abused can, all scraped <laughs> up. Half the label's missing. Someone took a sander to it, it looks like. All right. Pours very, very clear. Golden color. Okay, so this is another one. They, they call this a Bohemian-style Pilsner. So another Bohemian-style. It's a Neo-Pils, though, right? right? I mean, you smell the thing. Smell this. It It is um, mango and grapefruit. So why am I smelling asparagus? <laughs> I don't know. Let me see if I can get that. Man- I'm getting like a mango grapefruit for the main aroma. <laughs> no, I'm not getting asparagus. Give it a shot. Let's see. Yeah, it smelled different. It definitely smelled different. Oh, yours is cloudier here. Doing the old blend. It, 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 we don't have to be exact. <laughs> oh, nice smell mango and asparagus. Good. <laughs> there is something a little vegetal in there. 
I'm not sure if I'm ready to pin it to asparagus, but maybe. It was, it was stronger asparagus when it was just in mine. Now it's more like ramps. Okay. Ramp the, uh, the greener, the mm-hmm. green. Right. I don't know, I thought you meant like handicap ramps. <laughs> okay, so... Yeah, you mentioned the color and the mm-hmm. look. Flavor. It's pretty sweet with the, the hop flavoring. It's almost like, feels like there's juice added to it. Kind of like a mango passion fruit juice or something like that. The, um, still some, still some grapefruit flavor in there, but not really the acidity. It, it's interesting that they call this a pills because it's, I mean, I get doing a hoppy pills. Mm-hmm. But why throw Bohemian in there? That's what I'm not getting. Um, okay, let me, read, let me read the whole sentence. Okay. Wonderstuff delivers the clean, balanced flavors you'd expect from a Bohemian, Bohemian-style Pilsner, but with a powerful citrus hop twist. So underneath it is a nice, um, nice malt backbone. There is uh, a good amount of malt here to give it... Stand up a little bit of a sweet character, kind of like a Ritz cracker or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Um, on top, there's a somewhat confusing mango-ish, sl- like pre-ripe mango because it's got mm-hmm. some green right. in it. Uh, and just slightly tart on just kind of the like the texture of it, as opposed to anything else. It's not like sour, mm-hmm. right? I guess I can see where they're getting Bohemian because it does have that full body, like mm-hmm. that Ritz cracker you said, where if it was based on Bavarian pills, it'd be a lot drier, right. thinner, sharper, clean, crisp finish. So I guess that's it. But with so much of that hop stuff on top of it, you know, it's, you know, even alluding to it, you know, <laughs> that it being a Pilsner of any sort is kind of weird. And admittedly, we've only had half of uh, our samples, what's your half of the can each, but has this truly change the way you think about light lagers? Um, no, because it doesn't <laughs> fit into the... <laughs> well, it's not about fitting in, it's about changing Well, the way right, but it, it doesn't even... I, I guess. I guess. And I don't know. It's not changing the way I think about them other than to say, uh, this, this one isn't great. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not feeling it. I, I feel like the the flavor of that mango thing is is a little bit almost off putting me. It's a little bit. I think it's the there's a bitter edge to it that's kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, where it was like underripe. Yeah, and it just yeah, it just feels like I don't know. It's not. I'm not. Yeah, not digging it. Where's it? We don't have a dump bucket. I had one here just the other day. Oh, there. there. Oh, it's 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 my little pony dump bucket. (laughs) Not sure where the Budweiser one is. Well, you know what they say: friendship is magic. (laughs) Okay. I'm sure Allie would love to know that we're doing that with her bucket. She's actually growing out of my little pony. Good. What's next? <laughs> so now do we go... So we have two IPAs and a Lambic. We do we do. just go Orange Blossom Wheat and then jump into the IPAs? Or do we split up the IPAs? Uh, let's do the Orange Blossom Wheat. All right. So from Papago Brewing, this is their most popular beer, their Orange Blossom Wheat. Uh, American Light... A light American wheat ale flavored with mandarin orange and vanilla. Okay. So kind of like a creamsicle. Uh, Another very clear orange. This was canned the middle of October. That should be fine, right? I mean, a wheat... It, It has vanilla, for sure. What I smell, it almost smells 
when I first smelled it, it came across kind of like a, one of those flavored coffees or something yes, like that. Yes, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. The way the vanilla was coming through so strong. Yeah, it's very strong. It's overriding the wheat character you might get from mm-hmm. uh, from the rest of the beer. It's even really overriding the orange. You can get a little bit yeah, of the orange yeah. in there, but it's, uh, it's almost like a blood orange type aroma. That, that's really, you know how you, you know, we, you know flavor drift, right? Yeah. So yesterday we were out of coffee, and so we have the good coffee at work. Then we have some K cups, and one of the K cups. I've been to send you a picture of this, but it's a Cake Boss buttercream. Cake moss. Artificially, yes, artificially <laughs> flavored <laughs> coffee. And I've been staring at this thing for a couple of weeks now. I'm like, I'm going to give this a, oh my God, it was so awful. <laughs> so awful. But so now, because of palate drift and just having that awful experience, this vanilla is reminding me. It can't me, be that bad. I mean, come on. It, you're, the you're coffee? Acting, yeah, you're acting like it's like those, those jelly beans. That, like No, okay. It's not that bad. <laughs> It's just awful. But it's like artificial buttercream flavor in burnt coffee. Yeah. Flavors work well together. Yeah, it's a lot of vanilla, but it it's actually the wheat kind of gives it uh, a nice kick that makes it not overpowering. And the orange comes in and fills out the in between. It's yeah, it's uh, first sip at least. Yeah, the flavors. I mean, it seemed in well. line. It, it it's definitely a dessert type beer. Mm-hmm. You know, this could go. I'm thinking of those sugar cookies with the you know the orange marmalade on sure, top or whatever. Sure, you know, those, yeah. That's kind of like what this, those are in a beer type thing is how it's coming across. Reminds me a little bit in that sense of the strawberry shortcake. Where you get, you know, kind of a dessert type beer and dessert flavorings come through, mm-hmm. but they come through pretty well and it actually is drinkable and and it works. Right. Yeah, this is, I, I, I can see this. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd like, what, a six pack of it? But this is, uh, as a dessert beer, I think a pretty a pretty decent addition. I think, it, yeah, I agree with you. It'd be cool. I mean, I would have a six pack of this to share with other people because mm-hmm. it's not often that there's something that's this sweet and adjuncty but this good yeah it has a really nice cleanness to it too i think that that's what what is coming through to me the most is that other than that you know the vanilla which i don't know how i don't know really how to quantify whether an art what is artificial versus not artificial vanilla so I don't know where it stands. Yeah, I mean, well, that's an interesting thing to think about, right? Because it's so potent. Yeah. I've never really had real vanilla come across this potent. But it also is well-rounded. It's not mm-hmm. sharp. It's not medicinal. Right. So they've really figured out how to extract. It, it doesn't seem artificial, but or it doesn't seem extracty. But even if it is, they, either they got a ton of vanilla flavor out of the real bean, or they know how to use extract. Right. Either way, it works. Uh, it, I don't know if it's going to be you know winning any major awards, but it, it's it's a satisfying beer that you know as long as you, you said it's their number one seller, right? So people are buying it. Yeah. Did I say five percent? It's five percent. They say they add natural orange flavor. Okay. It doesn't say vanilla, so don't know. So, where can you get vanillins from besides vanilla? I mean, you can get them from oak, and you can get them from banana and stuff like that, right? But, I mean, ultimately you're getting them from vanilla one way or another, even from an extract. It's coming, right. Yeah, it's coming from the vanilla bean. This is the Papago Orange Blossom. Like I said, it's it's a sweet dessert beer. Um, even though it's a golden beer and it's from, you know, Arizona where you think, you know, I know they have cold nights as well, but you think of a nice hot environment. Uh, to me, I feel this is definitely a holiday. Yeah. You know, when you're having a holiday gathering, this it, beer would work well. Speaking of holidays. 
Speaking of holidays, I mean, it it, it fits the uh, it fits the general attitude, right? Yeah, it does. So, Jeff, it's like your last chance to like get stuff shipped to you before the big day. Yeah, and the you big know, day. I mean, I tried to. I just. I, mean, bought... I suppose if you're Jewish, it really just starts on the twenty fourth and goes to the end of the year. But you know, I finally placed Greg's uh, order for his gift and. The first two vendors I found couldn't get it to me by Christmas, so I had to like hunt around to find the next. You vendor, don't know so. how hard it is to find a purple dildo. It's just oh, you wanted purple? Oh shit! That's why I think. I mean, I know the purples are it's hard to find. Oh, damn! I'm gonna have to return it and get a different color now. <laughs> um, and when I do that, I'm going to use craftbeerradio.com/slash/amazon. Oh yeah, the commercial part. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone. Craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Our improv is the best. That's a real A to F improv. <laughs> <laughs> or is it A to M? Somewhere. Okay. So we got two IPAs and a lemon. Okie dokie. What do we do? What do we do? We just do the IPAs. We just suck it up and do back-to-back IPAs. If you insist. Okay, Let's look so at the ABVs and figure out which one to do first. So we'll do the, the 6.2. Is, okay, 6.2. So this is the Sun Up Brewing Company's Trooper IPA. Gusher! Oh, that's not, not going to be good. <laughs> they used that Band-Aid hop, didn't they? <laughs> Why are you pouring me some? <laughs> I don't smell it yet, but it's uh, going to need a new towel. Okay. It smells like chili peppers or something? <laughs> you smell that? It smells like Simcoe and Malty, Malty now? Definitely Brett on there. There's lots of malt. Uh, the Brett has infested Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> now just Brett. Now Simcoe. Now Malt. That's interesting. <laughs> the um, the bugs ate all the hop flavor. Hop flavor. I'm still tasting like um, Anaheim peppers or something like that, like a green. Oh, it's a raging bitch. <laughs> Kind of, without being without being as, as harsh. Um, <laughs> You're not getting the peppery type flavor, like the. No, like what the I'm getting is is the chalkiness from the bread. Okay, for me, the main the way this is coming across is, um, like a not hot, hot pepper. So you get kind of that, um, almost like cayenne type feeling on your tongue. I wish I could agree with you. Here, take a sip of this one. No. No, not really, no. All right. (laughs) Well, that was a waste. Um, This was the one where I couldn't tell, we can't tell what the date is because the... They conveniently uh, had it uh, spray the date on the edge of the can. Right. All right, so we should, I guess should I go grab them from the fridge? Oh uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, all right. I'll talk about this next year. Okay, we're gonna do an IPA since you know only one IPA now, and this is from Hus Brewing Company. This is the That'll Do exclamation point seven point one seven point one percent alcohol by volume, and the can does not have. Any information on it, but they are in Tempe, Arizona. I would have to unlock my computer and search for this one. Mark Greg has the information up already, so Let's I will just start to fix our, uh, <laughs> our oh. quality problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, so tell us about the that'll do. That'll do is from Huss Brewing, which I'm sure you've already mentioned. Seven point one percent alcohol by volume, ninety-one. IBU, so 70. Uh, <laughs> if you're wondering why I do that, it's because I haven't really talked about this lately. I've, I've just been doing it. Um, 
the human threshold for IBU is somewhere around 70. So whenever they did pump up the... I mean, you can taste little differences, but for the most part, right. you kind of... You, you, you max out around 70, so consider that. There's not so much IBU wars these days, though. Well, no, because they invented different right. delicious hops. The IBU wars. So Simcoe Zythos and Columbus hops. Zythos. Zythos is... Uh... It has something to do... It's a foreign word that has something to do with brewing. I think it's Flemish, but I'm not sure. It sounds Greek. It sounds Greek, but... Maybe it is Greek. Maybe it's brewer in Greek. I don't know, but... I've seen other things use Zythos. Zythos is... Designed to complement existing IPA and pale... Ale hop variety, citrus and tropical fruit, more of an aroma hop. Okay, so the aroma on this one, so the color, this thing pours kind of a deep orange, so it's a big, it's a multi-IPA, and on the aroma you're getting that, you're getting kind of some caramel and some toasty, or I guess bready type aromas coming through, and the hops are coming through, they're kind of sweet, they're kind of orangey, almost like an orange jam or something like that. You're going to love this. Zythos. The word Zythos is the Greek version of an Egyptian word for beer. That's it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I was, I was agree- I'm agreeing with what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Marmalady. A little bit of pine. On the flavor... I mean, there's the malt is still. It's kind of malt with a light hopping, and then a big bitterness that comes through. What's the date on this one? It seems like it might be a little bit faded. September 29th. It's still fine. Yeah, but it it doesn't seem. It seems like it may have been brighter. I mean, it's hard to get. Like when we have when you have those um, um, super fresh ones, or when we have uh, Headhunter that's a week old yeah. that is awesome and that kind of you know that's going to fade after about a month but you're not going to get serious hop fading into you know f- to get over the sort of three month area in general mm-hmm. unless it gets infected unless it gets unless it gets breaded yeah so this one has a pretty big bitterness to it those those 91 IBUs are showing up now whether I can taste it Every last one of the 91, I don't know. But this one is, we talked about the IBU Wars just a moment ago. Yeah. This one's kind of a bit of a throwback. It's, well, it's not yeah. the most teeth peeling bitterness one that I've ever had. It's more bitter than your average modern IPA. So let's let's talk a little bit about the IBU Wars for those who have, those who are relatively new to craft beer hadn't gone through that period. Um, you know, we talked about the different phases of IPA. IPA, the IBU Wars were pretty much phase two. It was no. during that, no? No, I'd say phase one. Late phase one. Because it was before Simcoe and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. This was, you know, it was kind of like this hockey stick where you had IPAs doing their thing when craft beer was really small, uh-huh. really small, and then it was getting bigger, it was rising gently. And then all of a sudden, the IBU wars happened, and people just wanted to make... It's when IP, double IPAs were practically invented right. at that okay, point, yeah, too. that's true. You know, so double IPAs came out, people were doubling the hops, raising the alcohol, going for 100 IBUs, going for 150 IBUs, those kinds of things. And... Uh, you know, but, we we fell into it. We we're like, yeah. okay, let's see what else can we get. Let's see how much hair I can put on my chest by drinking this, you know, most bitter thing in the world. And it was kind of it was an arms race, and that was yeah. that was the apparent endpoint. And you know, it, it seems so long ago today because now it's about bringing out delicious flavors from well, these well, new hops. Think about all the, you know, an orange race can be destructive in some sense, but at the same time, think about all the other stuff that comes out of the fact that you've done an orange race. People really learn how to make interesting beer with different hop stuff and doing different things with bitterness. I mean, 
it was focused on one thing, mm-hmm. but they learned a lot in the process, and they were then able to apply to other things. That's where the growth of beer has really helped is the uh, the amazing now style variety that we have, uh, and and the ability for brewers to to make things like as we've commented on before, we had one today, you know, fruit beers that are not mm-hmm. <laughs> right. rancid. And- you know, that's what this is reminding me of is. And this could be just me wanting it to make it, want, you know, forcing it into that square hole type thing. But I'm drinking this, and the way the bitterness and the malt player, it's reminding me of the Rogue Guy 2PA back in the day. Okay. Like one of the first double IPAs that I've had, just because of, it seems like it's mostly, you know, a lot of cast, a lot of Centennial, a lot of Chinook. And, you know, because the kind of piney bitterness that's coming through, piney flavor and the bitterness, and then the bigger malt as well. So this is kind of making me think of that from way back when. It's kind of a throwback in that sense, because it is, you know, I think you're ready to, at end of phase one, IPAs, the, that sort of era, it feels like they haven't really taken on the lessons that I just talked about. Um <laughs> But so they're still in that mindset, or at least they just haven't changed um, this since then. Or they feel like this is what they want to call a traditional West Coast IPA. I suppose you might consider a traditional West Coast to, to be a super, I mean, like a stone um, and rogue and all that kind of stuff going for mm-hmm. that. You can make the case. Um, not my. It's never going to be my favorite kind of beer, but as a throwback, I think it's interesting. I think it, um, I think, I think it works. This is the Hus Brewing Company. That'll do. And that'll do. That'll do. Yeah, that'll do. So let me look up the information on this guy. Next, we're going to be doing the drinking the Four Peaks Brewing Company Hopknot IPA, six point seven percent alcohol by volume. My, I am Tempe, Arizona. Yep, I am in February 1945. That's my birthday for today, February 2nd, Groundhog Day. <laughs> All right, so this is Hop Nut. Yes, Hop Nut K N O T. So it's not Hop Nut, right? It's not Wayne's <laughs> <Lane's> World. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, Six point seven percent alcohol. The malts that are used are two row caramel twenty L. I'm going to um, pour, pour this out. I was going to take care of it for you. Thank you. Richard. Do your job, man. Uh, two row caramel twenty L and special pale. The hops are Cascade. <laughs> Glacier, Magnum, Liberty, Simcoe. So we're in phase two, sounds like. 47 IBU, 6.7% alcohol by volume. Awards, World Beer Cup, Gold Award 2012, World Beer Cup. Uh, 06 and 11, Bronze, JBF, 06, JBF, Silver, 13, 2013. For IPA? For IPA, I suppose. Interesting. That's a difficult category. Seven hundred entries last year. Yeah. Now, if you're up on the news, and and, and as I've uh, come in, <laughs> I talked about this, and as Bush owns Four Peaks now, um, so does it qualify as craft? Well, again, we we talk about the beer in the glass, not necessarily who owns it, but that's sort of up to you to decide. I felt it was important to grab them while I was there. Because they're still an important part of the Arizona beer landscape, whether or not they are owned by a multinational conglomerate. Right. Do you want to talk about some of this news that we have in the channel? Oh, that, that's a good point. We haven't talked about any of so, this. <laughs> so the Mobcraft thing that you sent me, and I had seen it too. Yes. So we had Mobcraft beers on the show before. Mobcraft Brewing is, they call themselves like a crowdsourced brewery. And kind of the way their thing works is, Homebrewers or people with beer ideas submit beers to a voting thing. In some sense, it's kind of a reverse gypsy brewery. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, so people submit ideas for beers. Like the couple of the ones we had, we had the old fashioned. Someone mm-hmm. basically said, make a beer that tastes yeah. like an old fashioned. And that one, so they, yeah. they made that beer. So they have voting, and then voting closes. They had a and durian they, beer. They had some other stuff that we tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've got to talk to those guys at, uh, at Sabre. I mean, they seem like good guys, but they landed in a bit of controversy last yes. week. They created a beer. Or they didn't no, no. create a beer. They, they Somebody a beer. submitted a beer for consideration called Date Grape. Yes. Because it was a beer with dates and grapes in it. And they didn't have proper oversight before this beer went into the voting phase of the wow. cycle. So this is... So you go to Mobcraft to see what beers can I vote on this week, and hey, look, there's Date Grape. And this is a Sir Bodie Boderson phenomenon. Do you, oh, you know what? You haven't heard that story? You mean Bodie McBoatface? Bodie McBoatface, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Not it, Sir Bodie Boderson. What is my thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, you were thinking it's British, so yeah. it must be Bodie Boderson. <laughs> must be Sir. Yes. Must have been knighted. Um, yeah, so, of course, it's the internet. It, it, it's... Uh, in general, you should always think of the internet as a cesspool, unless you happen to find the right place. And then you should always be careful before that, because that's at some point going to turn into a cesspool. That's the internet. <laughs> that's just what it is. Right. So anyway, they put this up. Media caught wind of it. Beer people caught wind of it. People thinking Mobcraft are being bad people for letting this beer go. It turns out they just had a bad process. Well, the story is... I don't have an opinion. I, I, I hope this is true, but they didn't have proper oversight before right. things went to the voting phase. So they've changed that, and now they will make sure that the beer names are kosher. I mean, it's, it's it's one of those things where when you have 5,000 breweries, things like this is go- are going to happen. And, yeah, yeah Mobcraft doesn't exactly have a huge staff to be able to monitor everything that goes through there. I, I, I get it. I also get that maybe somebody did see it but thought, oh, that's funny, and just let it through, not thinking about right. the, the I mean, possible yeah, repercussions. I, mean, I think my first thought was, well, that's a clever pun, not thinking of the uh, ramifications right. of normalizing date rate. This, especially, and that's the problem, right? Because it it is backdooring the normalization of, of things that are not good. Not so. only that, I'm guessing that if it was a person, that person was male and made yeah, that decision. Yeah. And so the implication doesn't then hit in the same way. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's a lot to think about. Um, I, I think I saw in one of the stories where the dude who submitted it on his Facebook page, because this was a homebrew recipe that he had made, yeah. um, something like date rate's not fun, not good, but date grape, you know, or something like that. Like trying to make a joke like, <laughs> right, you know, yeah, date grape beer is so much better than date rape, I think is what he was, but you know, it was just right. misguided. Well, what, what, bad I mean, joke. that's the whole phenomena of if you're going to make a joke, it's probably best to punch up rather than punching down, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yes. Um, so that happened. <laughs> uh, legal weed is hurting the beer business, says Money.com. But there were other things I've seen that dispute this. One of the things with the beer was uh, the Brewers Association says it so far. They haven't seen any evidence of that. I, I looked for a Brewers Association comment on this. You saw, you found I, it I saw something. I don't know where, but I did see another article that was talking about this, and then the Brewers Association, at least what I saw was their uh, opinion was they haven't seen any evidence of that being the case. Now, what, like, so what this article from Money.com said, and this probably is more focused at the big brewers, but basically the premise is the consumption of legal weed is offsetting the consumption of alcohol uh and, and in a way that I'm, in a way i buy it because you you increase what's available and people are going to to not continue to do to only get drunk. what was well, drunk they're going to also get the other stuff and maybe maybe some will like getting the other stuff more so you're going to see a drop off my question is whether it's precipitous or not and whether that means it should be fought <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
we will see things like this, I'm sure, as weed becomes more and more a natural part of our lives, just just like beer is. No one mm-hmm. blinks an eye when you say you're going to drink a beer. People will occasionally blink an eye when you say you're going to smoke a joint. That is less and less likely to happen in the future. Right. All right, so this uh, Four Peaks. I've got one more beer story, but we can come back to that in a moment. Hopknot IPA from Four Peaks. Beer is slightly hazy. It's golden in color. The aroma is... Um, you mentioned all those hops, you know, yeah. but it, it, it's it's kind of piney. Not not much citrus for me in the aroma. Yeah, getting sulfury, piney, that area. Yeah, kind of like a Simcoe mm-hmm. cat, Chinook type thing, even though they used a very rich blend of hops. Okay. Um... Yes, phase two, it definitely has that going. In there, it's, it's sweet. It's got a lot of malt backbone. It has a considerable sweetness to it to um, to hold up to those hops that are there. 47 IBU, so it's, you know, it's not going for a crazy bitter thing. It's a little cold right now. Yeah, we even took all that time talking yeah. about news, but coming right out of the fridge on the cold side. The malt has a nice... Uh, I like how it's kind of a malt-equal type yes, IPA. Yeah. So you're getting, you know, definitely not West Coast. Um, what, you know, has that malt character that English IPAs have. But, you know, I'm not saying the hopping is right. English by any means of the... By any stretch of the imagination. And now East Coast IPA means something very, very different. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Northeast IPA. Yes. Northeast is different from East Coast. Well, do we have, like, Atlanta IPAs to compare it to? I mean, what is the... Well, I think, you know, Northeast is less geography where the... Well, I guess all of them are this way, but it's kind of like where it came to prominence, right? Yes. Northeast IPAs came to prominence in Vermont. Right. And and nearby things. Uh, East Coast IPAs came to prominence in... Places where they unironically root for the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and East Coast IPA was, you know, an older, more generalized thing, but... I, I, and I will say, I recognize the irony of that say, as a Yankee fan. <laughs> Rooting for the odds on favor to win. As I'm warming this up, it's getting a little more fruity. I'm getting... Um, what, uh, how do I want to describe that? How do you want to describe it? It's almost like an Asian pear. Okay. Somewhere between like Asian pear and passion fruit. Like a weird blend between the two. So a shizo leaf. If you say so. <laughs> That's what I'm tasting, actually. Um... Which is sometimes you get that with Japanese food. It's vaguely minty um, and has a little bit of fruity quality. That's the fruit if I'm trying mm-hmm. to find something. Um, but yeah, it's it, it it's decent. It, it's it's not blowing my socks off, but it, it's it's decent. It has a, a solid platform. Good yeah. good flavors to it for sure. I mean, so far I've been um, less than impressed with the quality control in Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we have one more story. You told me I need to read it. Um, But that was just earlier today, and that's a long New York Times story. So I only read the first couple paragraphs. that story is also two years old. Oh, oh, is it? Yeah. So I don't want to give give you the idea that it's uh, a new story. Um, but it's a magazine story about the uh, McKellar and Evil Twin, those two guys who are twins who hate each other. And it's both about beer 
and about the brewing and about their personalities. So I mean, it's got great. It's a great story because it has great characters in it. So it it, it uh, you know it, it has all the stuff that a good story has. Okay, I didn't catch the dateline on yeah. it, so I didn't realize it was two years old. Like, yes, I do want to read that because I really don't know too much about uh, Yeppe and Evil Twin Guy. Yeah. Um, see, don't even know his name off the top of my head. But then I like saw like how long the story was. I'm like, I can't read this story. Work. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Mikkel. Mikkel is the guy who's McKellar, oh. and the other guy is Yeppe. Is Yeppe okay? Yeah. So I even had a not yeah. just accurate, but wrong. All right, and you so. can see their twins. Oh yeah, and yeah, I mean it's <laughs> good story. It's a good story. Okay, it's just a plain good story. So we have now in our glasses from New Glarus. This is I think our final New Glarus beer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we received this from a listener, which I will look up in a second here. Twenty sixteen Crambic. So a cranberry lambic style ale. Now, how does this compare to Sam Adams cranberry lambic? <laughs> the, the, they did the cranberry. They did the cranberry lambic, right? Was it was it something different? Um, no, they do it. They, yeah. they call it a lambic. They do a cranberry lambic. But yeah, yeah. I, I would think this one's probably a little bit better. This one is more representative, probably, of a lambic. Because Sam Adams Cranberry Lambic is just sort of a slightly soured cranberry beer. This is one of those Dan beers. Is one five times a year. I think it was Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is a very limited edition, and we make no promises to ever brew this style ever again. So get to Wisconsin, guys. Is there? Well, it's called Cranberry Twenty Sixteen, which makes me think that (laughs) at least they put the date on the next label. But they might brew it again. They're leaving the door open. They make no promises. Yeah. Alright, so the beer pours kind of a brownish red. Definitely a fruit color hue coming off of it. It poured with a little head that kind of faded down fast. Okay, this uh, is blended in the traditional method employed by Lambic Brewers from wild sours aged up to two years on oak. Additional cheese and cranberries from Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. So it's probably cranberry lambic blended with, un, you know, unfruited lambic mm-hmm. and different ages and to get the different, get the acidity profile where they wanted things like that. And the aroma on this thing, it's funky. I'm trying to... It's not straight up cranberry. It is like a tobacco note. There's um, kind of um, a bit of an acetic note, kind of like a Flanders, but not too much. And now I just got a really big, like, washed rind, like Limburger. I'm getting a a Parmesan rind, Okay. So, yeah, I'm like, mine is like more funk, like Limburger, like. Or funk. Like, I mean, like, Limburger's not too far off from what I'm thinking. This is, is like, the. It's a small part of the overall aroma, but it is an intense stink. Well, and it kind of lives up in your sinuses, that intense stink. I can confirm that it tastes pretty good. It's got a lot of sourness to it. It's got a decent cranberry flavor, but it's sweet, Um, so it doesn't overpower it. But it definitely comes through as cranberry with kind of a little bit of cherry and um, at the end, some of, like you're saying, a little of the tobacco notes and uh, um, a little bit of a of a drying quality from the yeast, from from the or the bugs. <laughs> There's a very miner- minerally character to this as well, kind of like um, makes me think of granite or something like that. Yes, yeah, and that's kind of. The back end of the entire thing feels like this rough edge of granite, and it, it definitely it plays in. It's part of that granite it, to me is adjacent to that like kind of washed rind sour. You know, it's like in there in that little ballpark there. They're kind of actually adjacent to each other. 
This, this is really good. It, it's very good. It's. I will say I've had better New Glarises. Oh. Yeah. I think the old Brune. The old was balls up the wall fantastic. This is just really good. But, um, you know, really This good. one has real. I'm gonna, I mean, I'm going to take my time with this one. This one has major complexity going mm-hmm. on, you know. And I really want to get in and explore this thing, turn it inside out. But it's it's really, really tasty. If I'm searching for something to complain about, maybe it's a bit over sour at front. It kind of I'm like I'm searching. I'm I mean, trying you, to find something. It depends. Like, what do you want for your lambic? You yeah. don't want your cranberry lambic to be too sweet and too. No, no, you don't. But do you want it to almost pierce your tongue with sourness? Sometimes I do. I mean, sometimes you do. Sometimes I sometimes do. Sometimes you do. Like I said, I am searching mm-hmm. for something to complain about. And, and it's, it's, uh, I'm not going to search. I'm just going to yeah. enjoy the stuff that I'm liking. But this 2016 Crambic is really darn good. Okay, so uh, it's ranking time. And I've said before we do it as kind of a shtick, but I sort of realized, um, especially since I've uh, got done with Westworld, that the nice thing about this is is it gives us structure. And <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's two not to ranks tonight, though. Yeah, we can't rank those. Even the Lumberyard Diamond Down Lager was the nicest one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, in fifth place, uh, you're going to have to go with the, uh, the was it Bauhaus? Bauhaus? Yeah, Bauhaus. Bauhaus Wonder Stuff. Yeah, I wasn't feeling that guy. Uh, it, it didn't change my perception of, of lagers other than me thinking that I wanted a different one. I <laughs> I felt like, yeah, it was, it was the greenness of, of the fruit that really you know, that was popped on top of it where there was definitely a good malt undertone there and if they yeah. would have gone traditional I think it would have been better. Yeah, I mean even if the mango was like super luscious ripe, overripe mango mm-hmm. it just was a weird combination to me and i mean i'm I'm agreeing with you i'm gonna put that one in the last place as well it's just oh this is good let's, let's do this at a time so we'll do our, well I, I, i'm pretty sure we're gonna align tonight we, we probably will i'm pretty sure we're gonna align tonight so that's why i interjected here okay um yeah for that dude that that guy right there it just it was a fine beer and if i was drinking it by itself in its own universe, I, it would have been fine. But you know, comparing it to anything else, it just like it just didn't quite. It didn't meld very well. Yeah. All right. Well, so we'll see. Well, let, let's see if we compare because my fourth place is going to be uh, that'll do because you know that'll do. Uh, it's it, it was the Hus Brewing. It was like you know it, it was a throwback beer. And I, you know, I remembered. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I got my member berries. I got, <laughs> <laughs> I got reminiscent. It wasn't enough to make me think, oh yeah, I got to have this all the time. But I was like, okay, yeah, that'll do. That'll work for me. For me as well. It's number four. Um, I wish that, or I shouldn't say I wish. It would be nice to try this guy. You know, just a couple weeks old, a month old, something like that, because I think it had lost something. But what it did was it kind of took me back to thinking of the first time that I had Rogai 2PA. And, you know, like, double IPAs era 2002 type thing is kind of where it took me. And it was a fun little trip down memory lane, but that's that's about it. Yeah. So, continuing on the IPA trend, I'm going to go with the Four Peaks in third place. Um... I think it was nice. I think it had uh, all the things I, you know, I enjoy out of an IPA for sure. Uh, nothing super special. Nothing in, too intriguing about it. Just a nice drinker, good IPA, and uh, you know, I'd recommend it if if you're down in in Arizona. I think it's uh, probably a good one to pick up. Four Peaks in third place. I'm with you. 
same positioning. As I drank it, it, it was it was definitely a satisfying drinker. There was a little bit of nuance, you know, with the hops in there, but nothing nothing too exciting. But you know, just good drinker. You know, there was, and they gave you a little peek at something worth exploring for a moment. So, a little more interesting than the that'll do. So, in second place, clearly the New Glarus. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's the Papa Go. It's the Orange Blossom Wheat. It. it you know, it smelled like oh, we're gonna have big vanilla burst and not great, but it it it, it worked for what it was trying to do, which is be a dessert beer and be. Uh, it is not trying to be all things to all people, although it is certainly their, their most uh, their widest seller. But I think that um, for what it is and for what it's trying to do, it does a good job. Uh, and as a dessert beer, I could really see it working very well. Yeah, I mean, it, think of it, compare it with the chocolate stouts. You know, like, if you're looking for something, oh, I can really go for a chocolate stout right now. You know, yeah. you could substitute this beer. I think you'd be pretty satisfied. You would be. It kind of plays in that same realm when you want one of those candy beers, dessert beers. I mean, the most of chocolate's flavor is vanilla. Right. But, I mean, this was satisfying. I could see, you know, popping a six-pack of this, you know, with some friends, you know, with the Christmas cookies and stuff like that. You know, it just it worked really well. Um for having that much adjuncty flavor, I think this is one of the best examples I've ever had for something that's been that yeah. adjuncty. Yeah, I think you're right because it, it really it was a, it was in some cases what we might consider overpowering vanilla, but with the other stuff, it worked with the cleanness of that wheat mm-hmm. and the crispness that it was giving there. With the touch of orange, it was not overpowering the orange that was in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, r- really well done. But, I mean, New Glarus takes number one spot. This is a very interesting and intriguing and very good beer uh, with a lot of great qualities to enjoy. My my only complaint, if there is one, is that it's not the Outbrew. <laughs> so that's a... It's, it's, it's a miserly complaint for from, from me, but, you know, what else can I do? I love this beer. I love that the, the fruit's there, but it's... It's kind of a tart, dry fruit with a minor sweetness. The sour is there. There's funk in there. There's the mineraliness of that granite. There's the rind of the cheese. There's, but it's not like mop, mop sink, or it's not sewer drain. You know, it's not that bad. But there's this, the the Limburger note in here. It is, <laughs> it's significant. But, you know, I've had other, you know, cantillons and things like that where this feels at home and this is just very delicious. Well, I think that uh, that about sums up uh, the show for this for this wonderful Thursday episode of Craft Beer Radio. If you like our show, please continue to go to craftbeerradio.com. If you want to support us, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. If you want to contact us. I am at CBR Greg on Twitter. I'm at the real Donald Trump. No, at Jeff Bear. It, it's just real. Real. You can also email us. Beer at craftbeerradio.com goes to both of us. Uh, Jeff or Greg at craftbeerradio.com is the perfect way to email us. This podcast is released under the Creative Commons license. So with the exception of the music, which is licensed by the uh, people, this is Duran Duran, Ordinary World, for those of you who are uh, who care. And uh, I like this song, what are you going to do? There you go, there's our fair use right there. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I commented on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're interested in the Creative Commons license, what that means, what it entails, uh, you can go to our website at craftbeerradio.com uh, and check it out. Basically it means you can distribute it, we're fine with it, just don't, don't sell it. And... Um, is there anything else? Uh, that's it. That's yeah, it. That's I mean, nice. other than, you know, watch the Twitter where we'll be announcing a um, call-in show. We're going to be doing a call-in show soon. Oh, okay. Well, you, that means you got to get on it. Yeah, you that's, that's why I did it. Yeah. <laughs> Put it out there. It's got to happen now. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you at you again next time. <laughs>